welcome to the Think MHK podcast presented by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. On this podcast, you will hear about a variety of local matters pertaining to the business community. You also hear from local business owners to hear their story and gain valuable business insights. Thanks for tuning in today. So we have a special episode of the Think MHK podcast today. I have two guests. One of them is occasionally on as a co-host, but he's a guest today. Uh, Darren Solden, who, of course, is our director of economic development at the chamber and then uh, making her first appearance, even though she is definitely one of our key partners, Rebecca Robinson, who is, uh, you know what, I should have asked you your title beforehand. I just say master of all normally when I refer to you. So give me your title real quick. That's the Chief Corporate Engagement and Economic Development Officer at K-State Innovation Partners. Thank you for being here and, and of course, all, all the work that you do uh, with us and on behalf of the community and, and in particular about what we're going to talk about today. So what we thought might be fun, it's been oh, a few weeks since we had a pretty significant announcement uh, in the community. Uh, Governor Laura Kelly was here and, and um, among a lot of fanfare and, and uh, cameras. Uh, announced the location of Scorpion Biologics, which is a biological manufacturing company. It's a subsidiary of a, of a larger group and will be part of a new strategy by, by the company, which I believe is now Nighthawk, um, that will have operations from drug discovery all the way through manufacturing. And, and uh, so the large manufacturing facility, which will be their second one because they have a pilot scale facility in San Antonio is going to be constructed in Pottawatomie County and at the corner of 24 and XL Road. Uh, but what I thought we might do is Rebecca and Darren led our team, led Manhattan's team in this effort, and uh, thought it might be fun to, to get them on and maybe talk a little bit about the things behind the curtain. So kind of maybe reveal some of the things that that we couldn't talk about during the process and, and uh, hasn't really been discussed uh, as part of some of the coverage of, of what's going on. Um, so give people a little better insight of how these economic development projects work and why we can say things and not say some things and what kind of, of information is important to companies and, and just kind of let people understand that process. So does that sound okay with the two of you? Sounds like a good plan. Sounds great. So let's maybe start with um, some background. Uh, Darren, we do all of our attraction efforts now, primarily through the Greater Manhattan Economic Partnership. And um, a few years ago, we made a conscious effort to update quite a bit of our materials. Uh, we get RFPs. I think we're now getting, what, roughly 30 to 40 RFPs a year. And we have to respond to these RFPs with information on the community and each one changes. But talk about the decision to update the materials and, and, and what we did as part of that process. Yeah, absolutely. We took time during COVID back in 2020 and, and realizing that with a focus on biosecurity and some of the things that our community and our region were already known for, whether it was because of research at K-State or because of NBAF's presence here, that we had a real opportunity to leverage uh, the fact that that was in the news. And we knew there were going to be a lot of uh, private and government investment in that going forward. And so we really took a chance there to look strategically at all of our marketing materials, our Greater Manhattan Economic Partnership website. Uh, the materials we use for proposals and structure those in a very uh, direct way around 
around that bioscience uh, along with some other or, or biosecurity along with some other target markets uh, but then the whole campaign to support that so there was social media uh, email marketing and uh, and a number of other things that we used and, and moved forward with there that that really focused those marketing efforts as it turned out with this particular project which you'll hear us refer to as project life because that was the the code name um, that we we knew it as through through the department of commerce this was a department of commerce kansas department of commerce lead um, or ultimately as, as scorpion as it's publicly known now, um, as it turned out, uh, I think that was a really good move because we used about every component of those materials uh, in some way, shape, or form over the course of the year that we were engaged in a site selection process with the company. Yeah, and one of the things that we talked about was if we're trying to reinvent our response for every RFP that we get, it's not going to be particularly a great response because the timeline now between the time you get the RFP to the time that that they expect to get their information back to them is so tight uh, because they're on tight timeframes that you better have some structure of what that's going to look like ahead of time, which is why I thought uh, what you all did uh, in working with New Boston to get those together uh, is really good. And, and, um, and we've talked to some of our partners who said, I think Jack Austin's one who's been in the business 50 years and said, they're the best he's ever used as part of his his process. So let's move on to the to the RFP because this was an interesting dynamic that happened. We got uh, we got it from the state of Kansas. So Kansas Department of Commerce, the initial lead came to them, and you get them, and I get them, and because we both get them in our office, and Jack gets it. And I remember walking down because I read them all because I want to kind of see what immediately is there something timely we need to respond to right away. So I open it up, and as I'm reading it. And some of the the wants of the company were near a research university that has life, I don't remember the exact term, but basically life science, biosecurity, right in our wheelhouse, and then proximity to military institutions, particularly as it relates to logistics and, and being able to, to do rapid deployment. And of course, Fort Riley is one of the the best logistics um, forts in, in the U.S. Army and, and can and deploy in, across the world in, in a matter of days. And and I walked into your office, I said, it feels like they wrote this for us. Um, and, you know, and the jobs at that time weren't as aggressive as they ended up being, and the investment at that time wasn't as aggressive as it was, and the site requirement wasn't as aggressive. And we'll talk about that, I think, in a minute. But but maybe some of your first impressions uh, when you read the RFP, and then and then maybe, uh, Rebecca, talk, talk about, you know, we obviously have a great relationship with, KSU through through our KBED partnership, but you reached out to her and, and and kind of that relationship and how it works in response to RFPs. Yeah. So our, as you noted, this came through the Kansas Department of Commerce. And so really our three main pipeline sources for for leads are are, are the Kansas Department of Commerce, our own marketing efforts, and then and then through our uh, KBED partnership and from the university. And so we see a pretty significant number of leads through the Department of Commerce, and those range everything from ones that we would struggle to um, to respond to, uh, whether that be because of proximity to a major airport or because of uh, size of community or otherwise. But as you said, this one, you know, we take all of those seriously, respond to all of those as, as best we can, and this one really fit within our wheelhouse well. And so one of the 
big components there then was the connection to university. And it was very obvious from the get-go um, that there was some desire to be near a university with life science program or an animal health program. And um, there was a, a want to work together. Uh, so we didn't know exactly what that was at that time, but understood that if you're wanting to work with a university, you probably want to connect to research functions. You probably want to connect to facilities and that there was really an opportunity for us to provide some value to the process there. So uh, as happens many times when we get those kinds of RFPs, um, that's when we start communicating between between our office at the Chamber of Economic Development and Rebecca's office up at K-State Innovation Partners because um, we each fill a very important role within that. Um, one, selling the community and the assets of the community and talking about workforce and talking about quality of life and talking about economic development assets, but then at the same time, uh, because of the university component, talking about research that goes on and connect potential connection to faculty members and facilities. And I'll let Rebecca talk about that piece. But I think the one other thing you have to remember in this whole process is that we're not talking directly to the company, right? We're responding to an RFP that's been put out by a site selection consulting firm um, who is working with the company. So we're, I think it's really important. And and Jason- Well, and there's even another level because we're actually responding to the state We're responding exactly. We're responding to something that's been forwarded us from the state of Kansas, and then they are ultimately the ones responding to the site selection consultant. That's a good point. And so, you know, I think it's important to remember, and this is something you remind me of often, is that the path forward on that those things is usually to respond to what they ask for. And in this case, we had some really good responses to what they asked for. And so, um, immediately started that process of pulling together a proposal from a local standpoint, utilizing those response materials you talked about, utilizing some other um, uh, marketing materials economic development materials that we have, and then engage with Rebecca to um, really flesh out the university component and what resources existed at the university that could be of value to these folks. That gets out of my wheelhouse pretty quick. So Rebecca, that's all yours. Yeah, I remember when the RFI was first sent to me, the only line in the email just said, wow, with a bunch of exclamation points, right? Because to your point, Jason, it was I think this thing was written for us. I don't know that there could be anything that doesn't check the boxes of who we are as a community. And again, as those really as the company or the site consultant was asking for either a veterinary or a med school proximity to a military base and also the manufacturing of vaccines for infectious diseases that fit perfectly with what we do at K-State, the expertise, both that ultimately created the Biosecurity Research Institute at K-State, ultimately helped us to land NBAF, the National Bioagro Defense Facility, and all of those, you know, the, the capabilities that we've built through both our colleges of agriculture and our College of Veterinary Medicine over the last 20 plus years felt like they were building for this moment. You know, in true nature of our partnership, I think we had a week to put the first round of proposals in to the state. And so immediately our team engaged with the chamber and all of our economic development partners to pull in our piece of that puzzle, which was, you know, what are the talent pipelines that we produce both at K-State and then also our partners at the Manhattan Area Technical College? Uh, that could fill a vaccine manufacturing pipeline? What are the researchers and the innovations, the capability areas that would have and create an ecosystem that they could plug into and be successful here? And um, unfortunately, at, at K-State, we've, ha- you know, we've been building a lot of those materials and through GMEP had been building both collaborative materials as well as our own materials that could really slide in there pretty seamlessly into a proposal. I think you all know the end of the story. So something worked. So I want to follow up a little bit on the university information. So first of all, and I was, I was on the radio a few weeks ago 
uh, with our friends at K-Man. And, and we, it was, it was, I think it was literally like three days after the announcement and we were talking about it. And of course I didn't know President Weefald, but I have no of him, obviously. And there are a lot of people here that knew him and, and what tremendous vision that President Weefald had and you, all the things you talked about K-State building, those were John Weefald. And I remember saying what a sad irony that two days before this announcement, President Weefald passed away. And and I couldn't help but think how much pleasure he probably would have gotten out of hearing about the announcement. So, you know, that was a bit of sad, I think, sadness that was part of it. But um, as we went through that process, there was a lot of, I remember two or three times when the company would visit. And of course, Darren and I were with the site selection team, but there was a completely different science team that would come in and meet with with uh, the K-State folks. Talk about how that relationship built, because I remember at one point uh, the chief scientist from from uh, the company saying, um, well, I don't know if we're going to locate here, but we're definitely going to have an agreement with K-State by the time this is over. Ultimately, site visits work when you get to that level. If the company decides to bring their research team, which in this case they did, we sort of planned two tracks, right? Sort of the traditional economic development, sites, incentives, all that. And then uh, uh, in this case, we planned what we call the science team, science track. They spent a day at the Biosecurity Research Institute meeting with our faculty, learning about the capabilities on campus. And I think when we all joined up at the end of the day for dinner, there was a buzz. There was an energy about the science team. The news that we got back from that day was, as you said, there was uh, a lot of chemistry, both between sort of the cultures and the people, but also the science. And that's a big test always in our mind in terms of who we partner with, because I think folks who can be who can scrutinize a deal in a company the most are academics. Uh, they don't care who you are, what brand name you have. Uh, if they don't believe in the science, they're going to tell you and they will not collaborate with you because we can't, as a public institution, can't afford to do bad science here. Um, and so there was a lot of synergy and a lot of interest in collaborating that I I think both in the company team was confident and comfortable with our team, our faculty and our researchers, and our faculty felt the same way. And so by the time they got done with that, they said, I know this this deal isn't done. We don't know if we're going to be in Manhattan or not, but we're collaborating one way or the other. Yeah. And of course, they ended up getting, you all ended up getting a collaborative agreement, correct? Yes. We have um, most recently signed a master research agreement with Scorpion's parent, now Nighthawk Biosciences. And are actually working on another one with um, with Scorpion so that we can do work with both entities and are right now in the throes of really um, defining what some of those initial projects might be for research collaborations. Again, I've lived in three university communities and I cannot tell you how many deals basically died because um, a professor, right or wrong, says junk science. And then all of a sudden you don't get any cooperation from anybody at the university at that point. So um, so I think that speaks volumes to the kind of opportunities that he biologics, which at the time was the parent company of Scorpion and now Nighthawk, uh, has with some of their drug discovery and some of the other things going on. So the initial site request was obviously significantly smaller than what they've ended up being. And so we were able to submit a site at the business park, which is out by the airport. And then we had just started submitting uh, a site in Pottawatomie County. But talk about the relationship we have with Pot County EDC. That's not a submission from Manhattan and then a submission from Pot County that that all goes together. Yeah, and I think it's important to remember that anytime we're submitting on RFP uh, that, that we get from the Kansas Department of Commerce, we're doing that as the Greater Manhattan Economic Partnership. 
both entities are seeing that um, both entities were working together to respond. Uh, typically, uh, an RFP or an RFI will have a they'll have a site component. There'll be some kind of a a talent and workforce component, a community component, and then and then other times there'll be some other specifics. In this case, obviously, a major component was the university relationship and 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 where there was some alignment of capabilities there. So, from a site standpoint, yeah, that's just to sit down and work through. Um, you know, what sites do we have that meet the requirements they've set forth. In that case, again, as you mentioned, that has changed over time, has gotten larger, the facility, the the footprint, the scope and scale have changed a bit. But based off that initial conversation, I think we ended up submitting six to eight sites across the two counties. And, and that carried through then until there were some edits made uh, by the company working with the site selection consultant on on ultimately the amount of space that they needed. But, uh, but work very closely with Jack on that and get all the details for all the sites. So that's everything, not just the not just the acreage, but the utility information, ownership information, uh, do research into uh, into what type of improvements from a utility or infrastructure standpoint would need to be made to to make that site ultimately work for the project and, and present that all as part of a package through the Department of Commerce and, and ultimately back to the site selection consultants. And I think it's really important to note, ultimately, this project ended up at 500,000 plus square feet. Uh, when we initially received it, it was 200 and some odd, and um, which it obviously got much larger. But for the one site that that they ended up choosing, we we did not have any other site in the really in the two county area that would have accommodated it in the timeline that they needed to move forward. So there's going to be I think discussions about why not here, why not there. Well, be, we we went through all those sites, and this was the only one that there was at the end of the day. Fortunately, we had this site, or we wouldn't have got the deal. So I think that's. That's important to note. So now kind of some of the fun things. So uh, we submitted uh, along with uh, communities in 27 other states or 26 other states. It was a 27 state search. Um, our understanding is they narrowed that down to nine and picked one community in each of the states that they chose. And so Kansas made the cut and uh, which is, a, I think, a credit to. Uh, the Kansas Department of Commerce and the package that they put out uh, on the table. And then uh, Manhattan was chosen as the community within uh, Kansas to, to move forward. And, and uh, we beat, I'm not going to mention any names, but we beat several of our, of our regional competitors in that process. And so uh, congratulations to the two of you for doing that. I think that had a lot to do with how you responded and appreciate that. So they said, okay, we're going to come in uh, late one night. And we'll give you the more the next morning, and then we have to fly out. So basically, we had a three-hour window. I guess the first kind of interesting thing, Darren, talk a little bit about kind of that process of setting up that, and then uh, we'll let Rebecca talk a little bit about the people that we included in that uh, initial meeting. But maybe talk about that process and some of the hotel challenges. Yeah, and, and and like many of these things in these projects, right? You're working on a short timeline, so we were contacted within a couple weeks. I think I remember. I think I was in the Chicago airport. <laughs> flying back from the East coast and, and talking to Rebecca and the site selection consultant and, and, um, and trying to, um, nailed down a, you know, a date within their travel schedule that they were going to be the site selection consultant along with company representatives were going to be making a trip with multiple stops in multiple states um, to look at communities. And and so once we got that date set and, and again, didn't have a real long lead time, then it becomes about the logistics and the people and making sure the company was, you know, good with, we, we knew what information they wanted to see from us and we were able to then respond um, with the appropriate information and the appropriate people. But, you know, that goes all the way down to the granular level of, of what Hotel are you going to stay in when you're here, and and um, and what kind of dietary requirements do you have, and and any of those sort of 
things. We actually ended up in a situation it's fun to laugh about now, a little stressful at the time, but uh, where the company CEO actually um, wants to sleep with his window open at night and has ever since he was a little kid. And uh, as it turns out, uh, I've le- I learned things along the way here. As it turns out, um, most hotel properties are not built with windows that open because that's no longer, I, I believe it's a state code now of some sort. And so uh, we-, we ended up, we were able to find them a property in Manhattan. They actually, at one point, were looking at staying at a property in another community. Um, but we were uh, we were able to find them a property in Manhattan where uh, he could have a, a window that opened at night. And um, if, if I'm not mistaken, that first night, there were some pretty strong summer Kansas thunderstorms early in the morning that didn't scare him off. So this is where I think the chamber collaboration pays off because we were desperate to find a hotel with a window that opened and Karen Hibbard, who's our CVB director, was able to get on the phone and find that for us really fast. So. Yeah, it helps to have that all hands on deck. And I think that's a point we really should make and we probably can't make enough is that throughout the process, you know, we're talking about a, a, almost a year long process um, with this particular project throughout the process. You know, there were a lot of people that stepped up when they needed to step up and were able to make calls and make contacts and solve problems on the fly. And, and so much of these type of projects, from my experience, you, you just, you have to be able to work on the fly because you're, you're being, you're in a position where you're being responsive. Um, you're selling your community, you're, you're selling the, um, the assets that we have and the people that we have and why we're a great place for the project, but you've always got to be very adaptable yeah. and, and able to change along the way. And so I'm um, really proud of what we did then. And uh, I think Rebecca's going to talk some more about this, really proud of what we did as far as putting a team together to meet with the company, because I think when they came here, they were really blown away with what we had to offer. Rebecca, how do you go about telling somebody that they can't come to a meeting with the major prospect? Oh my gosh. Um, and, and by the way, I'm giving you a hard time. You, we, we did this collectively as a team. It wasn't your decision. That first visit, I remember them saying we had, what, two and a half, three hours with them on the ground. They had to fly out at like 10 a.m. Well, how do you tell someone everything that they need to know and see about your community in that short of a time? So we said, can you start at 7 a.m. then? Right. And so we planned. Which is which is eight o'clock on their time anyway. Yeah, so I guess that works. Yeah. But I think they had flown in. I think their flight arrived the evening before at like 11 or. Yeah, we picked. Darren and it, I was, picked it, was, it was after it was 11. Yeah. Yes. They had a short nap. And then the details, the amount of details uh, that you can pack into a two and a half, three hour ordeal is, um, and the level of planning to plan. You wouldn't think, you know, just a few hours on the ground. How do you mess that up? But I think Darren and I spent probably every day the next, you know, the two weeks that we had to plan it together on the phone, planning every fine detail, whether it was, you know, who was going to speak, which of course you only have so much time. So you have to be very selective about who is going to speak and what they are going to say. The only information that we had was what was in the original RFI, which is like maybe a one page document that is very vague. And so trying to tell a story to someone that you don't know is a trick all in of itself. We had created both PowerPoint slides, nearly scripts, but talking points to hit all of those key points, the military components, the university components, the community components, the site components, the potential incentives, the talent pool. Every piece had to be so carefully designed. And then, of course, all of the added elements to make it feel special. We knew you'll probably be on a plane somewhere else over lunchtime. So how do we get box lunches from a local restaurant because you're not spending a meal with us? 
get you something custom that feels like Manhattan? What does, you know, our breakfast look like? How do we make sure to show off our local restaurants? How do we make sure that they see nice facilities? So thankfully, the K-State Foundation hosted us in their boardroom where we could have beautiful views, both campus and the community adjacent to K-State. And so we were just trying to think of every little thing we could do you know, where people sat in the room, who sat next to who, what were they going to take home any swag, any Manhattan or K-State stuff, just a lot of details. So a couple of my favorite stories that came out of that first visit. Number one, collectively, we decided we had to have President Myers there. Of course, President Myers was still the president of the university at that point, who was in Virginia for Donald Rumsfeld's funeral. There was no way to get him there commercial, but we collectively decided we have to get him here. And that means getting a private plane to go get them, then that's what we'll do. And we started pricing private planes, and they are really expensive. If anybody wants to check that out, go online and check that out. I happened to talk to a guy here, and I won't mention his name publicly because I haven't gotten his permission to do that, but who had said, you know, I've got a plane if you ever need it. Uh, holler at me, and if I'm, if I'm not using it, we'll, we can go get a client or, or whatever we need to do. And so I told the two of you, I said, let me try this guy and see. And sure enough, he said, yeah, I'll, I'll go get him. Saved so much money. We didn't have any idea what this company did other than it was a life science company. So they started this conversation about, hey, we're going to start trying to get work with the Pentagon and Homeland Security. And not. And, uh, and it was interesting because we had set the CEO right next to President Myers, who, oh, yeah, was a four-star general and former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And the CEO, Jeff Wolf, who's a great guy, uh, was just starstruck. I guarantee that nothing else we did that day really mattered. Having General Myers there uh, was was the winner and put us in the lead. And I, I will never doubt that. The, the second thing that I thought was great and tribute to Rebecca and her team, the CEO brought his uh, high school daughter. He just wanted the opportunity to spend some time with her and wonder, kind of see what was going on. And so she was there and was sitting in the back. Well, the next, I think the next day, your office had the K-State admissions office send her a, a letter of admission and say, well, you know, welcome to K-State. We're glad to have you. That was a great touch. And and something that Jeff really liked as well. But this is probably a good opportunity also to tell the story about our site selector in this process. Uh, this guy named Grace Swoops, who is the former state director of the state of Mississippi's Department of Commerce, who led Mississippi's bid to get MBAF. Uh, we weren't sure if that was a benefit or if that might be a problem, but he was a great guy and, and I think appreciated all the things that we did. But uh, we had split up people as we were driving them back to the airport and we finished one minute before the time they told us that we need to be done by. So I was very proud of that because I'd been assigned to be the person that shut people off if they went too long. The company people in with, with Darren, and then I took the site selectors and, um, and actually Ryan, who's kind of leading the project for the company. And uh, the head of the site selection group said, I believe that was the best community presentation I've ever seen. And the guy who used to do all his presentations in Mississippi and then later in Florida said, hey, wait a minute. What about our presentations? <laughs> he said, I don't know. That that was pretty good. That was a really good presentation. We found out later, we we basically led from that point. That was in August. So, so just to give you an idea of how long these things go, there was supposed to be a decision in December. And we felt very good that we were ready to, to be that choice in December. And it kept going and going and going and going uh, for a variety of reasons. Finally, we got to April. We're now in this process now for, for a number of months. 
And there's just some things moving forward that because this company's publicly traded, that it was very important to go ahead and announce it publicly. Uh, so we're now working through some issues that uh, I think all of us probably wished could have been done before the announcement, but I think that's okay. And It's also hard to keep it a secret. I mean, we've done a pretty dang good job of over the last year of this not getting out too broadly, but as you start to really execute on a project, <laughs> you have to start bringing more people in, right. right? And the more people that know something, and everybody has to tell at least one person, right? Whether it's your spouse yeah. or someone. So the moment you start having to bring folks into a project the more exponential awareness that happened. So it was also nice to be able to pull people into this project without having to have an NDA signed. It was, a, it was an incredible effort, I think, to keep the company name quiet through that process. But again, as you, as you start thinking about particularly small market stocks and the volatility and those kind of things, something leaks out and it could really affect stock price. And then the SEC gets involved. And I think everybody thought, you know what, let's just, let's just get this out in the open and, and move forward. So again, ultimately it's going to be, um, looks like over 500,000 square feet. The investment number on this is something we still kind of marvel at. It took a while for us to believe that that's what construction costs for these kind of things are, but we've been guaranteed that that's what it is. And uh, the average salary for the 500 jobs is is over 75000 We're putting an economic impact report together, but because of the size and scope, we also are trying to clarify uh, a lot of the issues because we, quite frankly, have never seen anything like this. Um, I was telling Ron Fear the other day, if it's assessed at its construction value, it would be equal to 25% of the entire assessment in the city of Manhattan. That's big. That's a, that's a, that's a big investment. And, and so, you know, we want to make sure that any information we get out is as correct and current as possible. And so uh, we'll be getting that information out soon. Just an incredible effort from our team. Took a lot of partnerships in this process. And, and I know we, for time reasons, we didn't get to hit all the things. But before we go, Darren, what was something that struck you through the process uh, as noteworthy that either you learned or that you would want the public to, to know? Talking about those partnerships, I mean, just the, just the sheer number of times that there was in, in the process that there was a twist, a turn, a change in plans, a, a reworking of numbers, a, um, you know, a question that we really didn't have an answer to, but we had to, again, all while operating under strict NDAs and, and kind of working working uh, in that manner, things we had to go answer, right? Things we had to bring to the table to to be responsive within the context of the project, whether, you know, responsive to the state, responsive to the um, site selection consultants and ultimately the company. And, and just really proud of the fact that our team consistently was able to do that, right? Because it wasn't always easy. And a lot of times there was even conflict within the team about what do we do next? How do we do this? How, how do we communicate this? Can we do this? That part of the process uh, is is challenging, but I think it also it goes to show. I think there's a good level of trust within our our economic development partners, both locally, also at the state. I mean, I know that you know we've got to give the state of Kansas, Kansas Department of Commerce, a lot of credit here too for for leading throughout this process. And and so I think that's my big, really one of my big takeaways or, or things I really um, learned. That I think is going to serve us very well in the future is the fact that um, I think we've got a team that has proven that you know we can go out and and win a nationwide search. 
for a project that has significant investment, significant jobs. And, um, and I think it gives me a lot of confidence going forward that if we can make that work. There's a lot of things we can respond to and a lot of things we can see successes. And I'm excited to see what, uh, what that holds in the future, not just from a business attraction standpoint, but how can we work with our existing businesses in the community to grow and, and, and create more opportunity for growth across our region. Um, I think we're, we're going to see some really positive things ultimately come out of this. It shouldn't be glossed over by any stretch. Uh, and this isn't a political statement. Uh, Lieutenant Governor David Tolan has turned the Department of Commerce around into a deal-making machine. Um, that They are clearly now one of the better state agencies in the country. We hear that over and over again. And again, that's not a political statement. It's just a reality. And when, when I got here in 19, we had maybe five open projects. Um, and the ones we were getting from the state, quite frankly, were junk. I mean, just terrible projects. We now have, what, 50 open projects, and I would say 20 to 25 of those are legit projects that we get from the state of Kansas. Yep. Our, our project mix, pipeline-wise, just under half of it the last couple of years has come from the state. And they're real projects. Yep. Great team around the country uh, from the state. We get the opportunity to work with them in a number of different ways, and and uh, and they're really great to work with. And, and again, hopefully other projects will be able to announce in the future that have had a, uh, a hand in from the, from the State Department of Commerce. They are really strong partners. So, Rebecca, how about you? Anything that surprised you or, or something that you took away from the process? So, I think one thing that this process has shown me. So I've been in Manhattan now 17 years, worked in economic development for about 14 in this university community economic development partnership. And now I think this project created an opportunity for us to have university engagement, not just at my level or at the faculty level, but all the way from top to bottom at the institution. I mean, you mentioned that um, President Myers was involved in the first visit, but we have had both senior level officials, whether it's then President Myers, now President Linton, uh, Vice President David Rozovsky, Dr. Beth Montalone, engaged at a texting the CEO kind of friendship level, like, and really doing work for this project um, all the way down, obviously, to the faculty level. And I think that commitment to economic development in this community, in this region, in the state, I think makes me really excited for our future, our new, you know, economic prosperity plan and the real teeth behind that and the commitment and engagement at the top is really exciting for me to see for this community. Yeah. And we didn't even mention the fact, so uh, Dr. Rosowski, who's our, who's our vice president of research, that visit we discussed that we had the first visit was his first day on the job. Yes. He landed in Manhattan the evening before as well, maybe, you know, around the same time that the company did. And it was the first time I'd, well, I'd met him in person. It, that was yeah. the first time he walked in. And I was like, I've only seen you on Zoom before. Yeah. And he acted like, I mean, his presentation felt like he'd been here forever yep. and just outstanding. And then, and then you mentioned President Linton. Uh, one of the last visits, uh, we were struggling to find a new and different place because you always want to try to show off new things. And it was a, um, it was a, it was a weird night. It was spring break, and we were just having trouble finding a new and interesting place for dinner. And and uh, President Lynn said, "Well, why don't we just have it at my house." And he said, "I'm, you know, my family's not here yet, and let's just have it there." And uh, so he was in town, maybe his third week on the job and, and is hosting the CEO and, and a team. And he's meeting some of us for the first time yep. as, as a chamber people and community people. And so, um, that was outstanding in the support from the university. And again, somebody that's been in university communities and talked to my peers and other university communities unrivaled in terms of support 
for Ecom Development Project. I think it's also really important to talk uh, about our congressional delegation, particularly Senator Moran, who, who Senator Jerry Moran, who um, from the very beginning has played a key role in this. And you talked about texting. I think Senator Moran had a texting relationship with the CEO and the and the and the government affairs people, but also Senator Marshall and Representative Mann. And the company has told us now, after the fact, that was a big part that they needed because of the. A federal contract part of this operation. They wanted to have a good relationship with the with a state delegation, and ours was the most responsive, and uh, definitely something that is a tribute. And then, you know, we talked about the governor, and I just the governor when we needed her was was a star, and and I think that that was great, as all our elected officials were. And I think the uh, city of Manhattan has shown over and over again that they are supportive of job projects, and for the first time, we had a major project in Pottawatomie County and they have shown to be very supportive and, and, uh, in that process as well. So there's so many people uh, to talk about as part of this. And we will have an opportunity, I think, going forward to, to do some kind of recognition event where we list everybody so that everybody understands how many it has taken to do this. We've talked about NDAs and some of the reason for confidentiality and um, I know that gets hard for people to understand. I thought Manhattan handled it great. You know, we didn't get a lot of when when the state had the discussion on Apex, there was a lot of conversation about why can't they come forward and say who they are. And there are very specific reasons why that can't happen. Number one, we was we talked about is if you're publicly traded, if that information gets out ahead of time, you have an SEC problem and potentially to the point that you might get fined. That's why we sign NDAs that say if the information gets leaked out, any fines they get can be passed to us. So we are very concerned about keeping those things confidential as well. But there's other issues too. You don't you don't want your competitors knowing what you're doing. And I don't know that that was the case in Project Life, which is what we called ours project, but it's the case in a lot of other projects. Um, you, you may have a workforce in other locations that you don't want to want them worried that that you're moving, that you, you know, this there's just a whole series of things that companies want to make sure that they have a pretty good feel that they're going to, what their location decision is, that all the things that are in place are in place. And then, and then they open up and, and make their announcement. I, I have never seen any sort of company that's, that's looked at this and like, well, I can't tell people because I, don't, I just don't want people to know. People want to talk about their projects. They love talking about their projects. It's just all these other issues make it complicated tremendously. And we never got any of that. As we talked, as we brought people into the project, there was never any uh, consternation and, and they all understood why. And so I just a ton of credit to our leadership for being willing to put in a lot of work and not know who they were putting in the work for, uh, other than they were putting it in for the city and the community and the region. So again, there were a lot of stories, but, but we're obviously limited by time, but I appreciate the two of you coming on and, and kind of and talking through these things. And again, a lot of work left to do, right? The work, I feel like the work's just really started. Yeah, there's a very, very much a public process that has to go through on a number of different, uh, number of different uh, phases of the project, and we're actively engaged in that right now. And companies doing a lot of work on their end. The engineers are doing a lot of work on their end. There's, there's a lot of moving pieces. But uh, to, to echo your point, I think that we're getting a lot of support locally, um, across city, county, and and many other partners. And and again, that only makes us stronger as a community in the future. So I think a lot of people are learning a lot and growing a lot through this project, including all of us. And and this only makes us stronger going forward. Well, guys, appreciate it. And let's go do another one. Sounds like a plan. Love it. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Think MHK, a podcast produced by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. If you enjoyed the Think MHK podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and share it out on your social media channels. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. Thank you.